Hello, my name is Daniel Lev Shkolnik, and this is Reenchantment, a podcast about finding wonder in a secular age. My faith lies in humanity, not the supernatural. And if you believe that spirituality is fundamentally about cultivating the human spirit, then this podcast is for you. Today, I speak with Lighty Klotz. He is a professor at the University of Virginia, where he directs the university's Convergent Behavioral Science Initiative. His research on the science of problem solving has appeared in both Nature and Science, as well as the Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post. He's got a new book out called Subtract, The Untapped Science of Less. And in it, he discusses the way in which we typically try to improve our lives, our work, our society, by adding things onto it. But rarely do we think about subtracting. And oftentimes, subtracting might actually be the more advantageous way to go. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Professor Klotz. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Professor Klotz. And hopefully, it gets you thinking about subtracting in a more positive light. Lady Klotz, welcome to Reenchantment. Thanks, Daniel. Happy to be here. So, you are a researcher at the uh, University of Virginia, is that right? That's correct. Yeah, I'm a professor there. I'm, I, I'm in the Department of Engineering Systems and Environment, but I also have appointments in architecture and business. And I mean, most of my friends and not friends, but most of my collaborators, close collaborators actually are behavioral scientists. So I study a lot of how we think about design. Interesting. Yeah. And you, your focus has for a little while now, um, not sure how many, how many years have you been focusing on, on the, the, this idea of, of subtraction and the cognitive, you know, uh, mechanisms around it. In a productive way, about four years. I mean, but I also think, and this is just something I've been interested in my whole adult life. I mean, I've been, I remember I mowed grass as my summer job in, in college and in the latter years of high school. And I just gives you a lot of time to think, right? You're walking or in circles around a lawnmower. And I would often think about like, why do these lawns exist only for me? I'm the only one who ever comes on them and it's just to cut them. And so, and then as I got more interested in design and, and sustainability sustainability in terms of environmental sustainability is like a lot of the things that we can do are, are a matter of, of taking away or, or doing less. And, and then also in, in my personal life, kind of as I've gotten busier and busier with kids and with, with work, it becomes much more important to think about the things that I can take away. So I'd, I'd always been interested in this, I think probably more so than most people, but about four years ago was when I started doing it productively. And that was thanks to Thanks to playing Legos with my son, he helped me focus in on subtraction. And so what, what happened was we were playing Yeah, yeah, Legos tell the story. Tell the story. Yeah, this is, it's it's making him famous. He's six now. And I'm like, okay, you were on Reenchantment podcast today. He's like, yeah. And then he goes, he goes and talks to his his friends at school. And he's like, I was on, I was on this podcast teaching people how to subtract and contributing to knowledge. So it's, it's, that's been like the, one of the most fun parts of this, but this, it's a completely true story. And it like really was the breakthrough for, for me in, in thinking about subtraction and like distinguishing this act of subtracting 
from the end state of less. And so what happened when we were playing Legos, we were playing with these Duplo blocks and basically making a bridge. He was three at the time and the bridge wasn't level. And so I turned around behind me to grab a block to add to the shorter column to make the level bridge. But by the time I had turned around, he had removed a block from the longer column. It's like, that's it. That's, that's, that's right there. What he did is the thing that I'm interested in is like, so why don't we do that more often? Why don't we take things away to make to make the situation better. Um, and we've since done tons of research on this. This isn't a book just based on one thing that happened with me and my son, to, but astonishing how closely the research findings map to what happened to me in that moment, which is I'm looking at this situation and thinking about, okay, I wanna make this thing better. And my first instinct was to think, what can I add to it? And if my son hadn't been there, I would have added the block and just moved on, never even thought about subtraction. And that's, you know, what our basic research finding was that not just across physical objects like the Legos, but also across ideas and situations, when we try to make something better, our first thought is what can we add to it? And that's not necessarily a problem, right? As, as long as we then think about, okay, what, what can we subtract? But oftentimes we think, what can we add? We add, we move on, and we don't even consider the subtractive option, even when it's better. And so that's been, that research has been the last, the last four years of my life and has had some really great collaborators, not just my son, but some amazing behavioral scientists who are co-authors on the, the main paper that um, kind of is the foundation of the book and is chapter one in the book. That's fascinating. Fascinating, both because I was also a big Lego player uh, when I was a kid. <laughs> and, and also because I, I think it really cuts against the grain of what our society uh, is built upon these days. Um, and who knows, maybe maybe this has been something that's been with us for 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 many, many, many years. But today, it's it's all about more. It's all about additive kind of the, the notions that that we can we can fix our problems by just piling more stuff onto either our lives or or, or I don't know, the kind of rickety <laughs> environment. And it, it, it's, there's this, I don't know if it's a mantra or like a different, different a pithy way of, of reframing this notion of, of subtraction and addition that you mentioned that rather than kind of seeing them as, as opposites, seeing them as working in collaboration with one another. What is, what is the, speak a little bit about how to change, change that thinking that we have about, about the two. Yeah, that's, I, I talked to you earlier before, before we went on air about how I was worried about talking about anything that had to do with religion, because I don't know much. And, but in the book, I do draw on some like religious examples to make that point. And the yin and yang from Eastern religions, seeing things as balanced complements to each other. And whereas some of these kind of Western ways of thinking or, and it's obviously an oversimplification to classify things as Western and Eastern. There's amazing work on cultural psychology that shows more nuances than that. And of course, plenty of Western people who think like, who think in an Eastern way. But the, the fundamental thing here is like binary thinking is getting in our way, right? Or either or thinking is getting in our way with that when we think add or subtract. And this type of thinking 
is you really useful, right? If you can say that one thing is the opposite of the other thing, or if one thing is true, then the other thing must not be true. Then that's really helpful for, for reasoning. And it's led to some amazing advances in science and math and things like that. The problem is <laughs> when things aren't actually opposite and you apply that same mindset to them. And, and in this case, when we're talking about adding and subtracting, it's, it's much more like the, the yin and the yang. If one thing's there, then the other thing is also should be there. This is, these are complementary approaches to change. If you think, okay, here's this situation that has been improved by adding. And then the next thing that comes to your mind is like, oh, well, if adding made this better then maybe subtracting can too, because these things are like both, both options for making things better then then we wouldn't have a problem. But the problem becomes when you think, oh, I've added and because I've added and it's made things better in the past, whether it's a Lego bridge or whether it's our, our entire society, right? Which is built on adding. Then you think, okay, because adding has made things better in the past, maybe subtracting is an option. That would be great. But it seems that we think, okay, adding has been good. So therefore subtracting must be bad. And this is like, I'll flip that around a little bit. One of the most common comments I get when I go talk, right, is uh, talk about the research is I'll give real world examples of, of subtracting. And so like, hey, there's this freeway in, in San Francisco and they, they removed it and it made the city a much better place. It opened up their, their waterfront. And then somebody will ask the first question will be like, well, we shouldn't remove this road. <laughs> and it's that that's the same <laughs> binary thinking or like subtracting. Klotz is saying, Lighty's saying that subtracting is always better. And it's like, not at all. I, these are, I'm, <laughs> I'm agnostic on adding and subtracting. They're the, they're complementary approaches to making change. So yeah, falling into that binary trap is, a, is a big problem when it comes to underusing subtraction. And, and the way to break it, I think, is just to think add and subtract, just to realize that these are complementary approaches to making change. Yeah. And, and add and subtract, uh, I mean, you can also subtract then add, right? And I think that's, yeah. that's a theme that you, you talk about in the book where like getting rid, subtracting the stuff that isn't uh, in line with uh, our goals, with our values, with really what what is what lights us up and brings us alive and then adding those things that do. But you, you, have to, you have to make space for them. And you, the only way that you can do that is, is by getting rid of the stuff that isn't, isn't serving you. And it does make sense to do it in that order because I, be, because it makes sense to get to a clean plate, right? Or get stri strip things down before you start adding stuff on. Otherwise you're gonna be adding to a system that you didn't like in the first place, right? And you might have to do unnecessary additions in that case. And I'll give you an example. Like one of the things I've learned about since the book came out, there's a lot of doctors who are interested in it. And they, they I guess a problem in medicine is that people will be prescribed medicines over and over and over and again. And so eventually you're, you're coming to see a doctor and you're taking this portfolio of medications. And the easiest thing for the doctor to do is just add another medication on top for whatever like the latest symptom is. And it, it requires a lot of thought and a lot of work to kind of strip down and say, okay, well, look, maybe the symptom you have, if we, if we remove some of these medications that you're taking, wouldn't we wouldn't even need the new medication, right? So that's a case where thinking subtracting first would be helpful. And the issue here is not that the doctors don't know about it. There's all kinds of incentives that are, and also it just takes a ton of time to actually do a, a thorough analysis of what medications can be removed. But that's an example where 
subtracting first is makes a ton of sense because before you start to add stuff on, you need to know what the, what, what the basics are that, that you actually want to keep. So yeah, yeah. that's, that's a really great point. I, it's, it's been, I've been thinking uh, a lot recently about, right. Clearing, clearing out my own schedule, clearing out my own life of things that are not in service of, of my true goals. And there's, there's a particular difficulty that, that, an emotional difficulty, a fear that if I cut something out, then I'm I'm cutting off a possibility. Like, well, maybe this will be useful in the future. Maybe this will be something that I can I can do, I can manage, and it will bear fruit in the future. Besides the cognitive difficulty that you mentioned, that it's it's actually a little bit harder to think about subtraction. There's also that emotional fear that 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 we're resistant to. Right. This is perfect sequence that you're bringing things up in because oftentimes we'll talk only about the, this case of not thinking about it. And there are a ton of other reasons why we don't subtract. And I mean, so it's just think of making something in the happen in the world is basically a two-step process, right? You have to think of this thing and then you have to choose it and follow through with it. And so even after you've thought of subtracting, like you're mentioning in this case, it's like, hey, I could take away this, this meeting from my calendar, but I'm a little worried that if I stop going to the meeting, then the three people who I've been going to the meeting with are going to not like Daniel anymore. And then I could miss out on some opportunities that otherwise would have come about. And that's a very real thing. I mean, and there's all kinds of psychological reasons for that loss aversion and the endowment effect. So this is Kahneman and Tversky's famous research. Some of their famous research, they've got a lot of deservedly famous research, but um, basically it's twice as painful to lose something. It is, as it is to gain something of the same value, but then also fear of missing out. I mean, that's a very real psychological thing that, that is contributing here. And so yeah, when it comes to, we need to realize that getting rid of things is emotionally painful. The thing about subtracting though, that's different here is that what we're talking about is to make things better, right? And so, so sure, each of these like incremental subtractions, like considered on their own, you might be worried about the emotional loss of a Lego block or something like that. But if you're, the end state is what you really care about. And, and what we're talking about here is an improved end state. And so I guess the, the practical tip there when you think about it that way is that if you can keep yourself focused on, on what the possibility is with the, the overall end state as opposed to the incremental subtractions, then that would, that would be helpful. I'll go to a, a different religion here for an example. So Marie Kondo, it's not, not really a religion, obviously, but um, her, her tidy, I'll, I'll, we'll yeah, I mean, yeah, her tidying methodology. I mean, one of the things that uh, she does that's really effective is she, she keeps people focused on the end state, right? It's like, yeah, you're getting rid of these t-shirts and it's emotionally painful to get rid of this. And, and she's, she's the one for those that don't know that, that the, the minimalist kind of lifestyle, get rid of everything that doesn't bring you joy in your house and your home uh, and only keeps the things that, that you really love. Yeah. So that's Marie Kondo. And uh, she'll say, imagine this tidy living space. And that's what she keeps people focused on, which is the end state after you've decluttered. And so by making so much focus there and by making people, she, she challenges you to envision it. And so then that becomes the thing that you're losing if, if you don't follow through with the decluttering. So what she's doing there is essentially getting those forces, loss aversion, working in her direction instead of against her. And so now the thing that gets lost is the decluttered space and you'll do anything you can to get there because 
that's the thing you don't want to lose. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a rewiring of kind of what, what is what is really the the source of pain here? Like, is it uh, the fear of loss, or is it living in a cluttered environment full of things that distract you and aren't serving you? Uh, and if you kind of exactly refocus that, then it's like, oh, okay. It, it's it's almost like seeing the the difficult thing as really a source of pleasure and rewiring that association. Yeah, and yeah. and I mean. And it's a good, I mean, the, the common theme here is that it's hard not, I mean, not impossible, but we often think I, one of the problems is that we think of minimalism, less is more, or any of these philosophies is like, okay, it's going to be easy because we end up with less. First, it's harder to think of, and then it can be emotionally challenging to get there. And so I think we're perfectly capable of doing it, but we need to realize that, hey, it is going to be, it isn't going to be easy. It's going to be a little bit of a challenge and then, then we can follow through. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it, it brings to mind um, the, the discipline that kind of uh, monastic orders in various mm-hmm. religions, whether it's Buddhism or Christianity or even the kind of Hindu ascetic tradition, the, the, the real discipline that they bring to bear on their daily routine, their, their uh, year-to-year lives, that they're in, in, in service of kind of self-development and, and dedication to their goals, their ethics, to their, to their values, they really make a decisive choice to cut, to cut out so much the regular world. And it's reinforced they're surrounded by other people doing the same thing. They're surrounded by a system of, of discipline that, you know, really cuts out most of the extraneous so they can focus on reading holy texts and praying in a certain way and, you know, meditating on, on the divine. And, but, but we are on our own, we don't have that discipline, or at least we're not surrounded by people who are, who are similarly in that, in that <laughs> mode. So do you have any, any tips about how people can create that discipline for themselves or create structures that reinforce subtraction? Yeah, I've got some tips, but first that's fascinating. I mean, that's, I mean, I just love the, I mean, I, I, I've heard of that, but hearing you frame it that way and tying it into the subtraction and also pointing it out that in just that word discipline there, right? I mean, that is, that is so important that it's, it's not lazy less. That's one of the things I talk about in the book is this difference between lazy less, which is basically you've done nothing and you're not even trying at anything and kind of the less beyond more. So it's like, okay, lazy less is doing nothing. Then you've got where we are most of the time, which is like, we add a bunch of stuff and it works okay. And so we just go with it versus this less beyond more, which what the, what the monks are doing. It's like, yeah, we could live our lives differently than this, but we have, we have chosen this because we want to be able to focus on very specific things. So I I just love that. I think on a, I guess I'll start with the tips that are closest to the research and then go to the things that I do. But the, the research says again, is that we overlook subtraction in our ideas. And and so, so knowing this, can we set aside time? It's like, yes, keep listening to podcasts and keep collecting information, but are you setting aside time to, to rethink your ideas? I mean, there's a famous quote that's attributed to Lao Tzu that says to gain knowledge, add things every day to gain wisdom, subtract things every day. So it's like, Mm -hmm. What are you putting into your days that's helping you subtract things from your mental models? And for me, I, I'm not very disciplined with this, but I guess I could be better, but I do it sometimes. Set aside a half an hour to say, okay, what are the things that I'm thinking or the, that I, that I, or I have thought that I 
no longer think whether or things that are occupying like a kind of space in the in my working memory things that i'm thinking about all the time that can be can be pushed back and so so setting aside time to do that also meditation is something that i do i don't i mean it's it's a little bit different right because i just described specifically thinking about ideas that you don't think anymore that's an active subtracting meditation is more subtracting all the noise at least the way it, it works for me anyway and and just kind of seeing what happens from there. But those are two ways that I think um, putting in this this practice of mental subtraction that tie into the research and are, are things that I've done. I don't know. It's really hard to get rid of ideas. How do you do it? <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, how do I do it? Yeah, it's it's really, I mean, it's it, that that ties in a whole a whole bunch of ideas come to mind about eliminating certain uh, beliefs, eliminating, limiting beliefs in, in myself or in other people. And, or, or recently I've, I've been trying to laser focus on, well, look, I, I know, I know what I want to be doing in my life. I want to be helping people transform their themselves, helping people create meaningful, positive transformations in their lives. Okay. Well, what is, what is, what is helping me do that? And what is not? And, right. and really being brutal, brutal with myself, looking at something that maybe, maybe I, I have a lot of emotional attachment to, and, but really it's, it's not contributing to my overall goal. And almost like, I like to think of like taking an imaginary sword and just like, just cutting, cutting that thing oh, that's off interesting. and cutting it out, combining with the, with the emotion, doing, doing part of the emotional work of cutting myself off from it with, with the idea of hopefully building up my powers of decisiveness. So I am, I am more, better able to, to really make a decision quickly, uh, yes or no about something and, and then just stick with it. If I decide no, it's no. If I decide yes, then it's yes. And that's, that's something that it's a muscle that I've been building recently. Yeah, that's interesting that, and it, it, both things like the sword <laughs> and the, and the decisive, like yes or no action. I mean, those are very active things that I think that ties into one of the, the key thing. I think that's different from my book that some of these other minimalism theories is that this is an act. This is something that you, you have to do to take away. There's a great story that I got to share that about how hard it is to subtract ideas. So I, there's Leon Festinger is famous psychologist and he, so he wanted to see why, how people change their minds. And so he joined a doomsday cult and it was a brilliant <laughs> plot, right? Because he's like, okay. And the doomsday cult was like supposed to, the doomsday was supposed to come in some like time frame that he was, was going the, to experience. The, the UFO, uh, was it a UFO thing? I, I, yeah, I, I think were, it was a UFO was going to come like down I've and save them. This. Yeah. It's okay. amazing. And and so the doomsday cult was supposed to happen on whatever day, which was joins the cult. It's brilliant. He can like, if it doesn't, if the doomsday doesn't come, then he's, he's got this great research study. If it does come, then he's, he's saved, right? Cause he's in the cult. But, uh, <laughs> and, and so what happens like they're either sitting around, he's sitting around with the cult members and at the night of the doomsday, and it's supposed to happen at 12 o'clock and 12 o'clock comes, nothing happens of course. And, and so people are like, oh, well that's, that's not the official clock of the doomsday that clocks off a little bit. It must be this other clock over here. And so they wait like five more minutes if nothing happens um they're sitting there things get pretty quiet and it's like four o'clock in the morning and the cult leader is like we've done it 
we've staved off the the cult and or we've staved off the doomsday because of our our belief and right. the world keeps going on and yeah like the, and re- reframing the whole narrative like we we are we are the yeah. saviors because of our faith yeah and it's like this classic example of cognitive dissonance right and it's like so we don't want to hold two competing ideas in our head so when we get evidence that contradicts something we believe it's off rather than like take in this new evidence, no matter how clear it is, we will shape what we believe instead, or no, we will, we will morph the evidence and like modify what we believe a little bit too. So we change both of them, which is like an imperfect solution. And so, yeah. And I mean, this happens all the time. Those are cult leaders, but you know, like Ezra, my son, I made him sound smart with the subtracting. This is going to make him sound like every other kid. I mean, he believes in Santa Claus and we, he got Legos from Santa Claus one Christmas. And of course, and um, he goes to me, he's like, what's going on here is Santa Claus. I thought Santa Claus, how did he make the plastic right. And all the packaging and stuff, because he's, you know, in his mental model, Santa Claus has the elves with wood and they, he can make those kind of things. I said, Oh, for, for things like Legos, Amazon or Santa works directly with Amazon, you know, Ezra was cool <laughs> with that. Right. Cause it like it, it combined two things that he already knew about. It didn't require him to change his beliefs and allowed him to keep going. And then the, the, the example that's closest to, you know, this isn't very practical. This is all just showing how hard before, it is. Before but, we go but, on, I just I just want to sorry. Line. Yeah. You 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 played the 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 the, the cult leader with your uh, with your son there. Yes, <laughs> yeah. in a in a benevolent benevolent cult leader. Yes, <laughs> thank you, man. And uh, but you know, in science, there's this there was this kind of trend, science education trend towards helping people remove misconceptions that they bring with them to the class. And so it's like somebody comes in, they think that the planets orbit in a perfectly circular way. How do you help them understand that it? You know how how do you remove those misconceptions before you show them that it's actually ellipses? And they've the it it just didn't work because people would rather modify their ideas. You, you need to work with the ideas that people already have rather than kind of subtract the, the wrong ones. Anyway, so it's, it's a really common thing throughout society. It's hard to subtract these ideas. And the, but if you figure out how to do it, those can be the most powerful changes, both in terms of like the progress of, of science and thought in general, and then also just in terms of your, your individual development. I mean, one that I've subtracted over this past year is just this. I mean, I never thought there was a perfectly level playing field for all people, but in the United States, I was like, oh yeah, everybody pretty much has a, has a chance. Some people have a smaller chance than other people. And some people have more like of a buffer than other people. But uh, the past year has just shown this systemic inequality that seems massive. And so that's something that I've kind of subtracted from my mindset, this notion of a, of a level playing field. It's, it's helpful in, in trying to address these problems is to, is to realize that, yeah, is to not be, have that basic belief underlying everything. Yeah. And and it, it really comes back to core beliefs. It's, it's, it's not, it's one thing to, to have like a it's one thing to subtract like a belief that, that, okay, it's not, it's not really tied closely to your identity. If you're, if you're asking somebody to, uh, to subtract something that they have uh, predicated their identity, their lifestyle. I mean, the, the, the cult example is people, people gave up their whole lives. It sounded like for, for this yeah. vision, for this goal, that's, that is, uh, 
very hard to let go. It's very hard to change. And well, speaking about religions, like people, people, if you're if you're asking somebody to to give up their religion or to, or to change their their beliefs in in a profound thing, or even even in a philosophical or, or political ideology, that's that 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 subtraction is is tied in with deep deep structures of how we think the world works and what is our own role in the world. And so it, it becomes such a such a difficult act, and one that takes, I think, I think, real uh, courage and intellectual honesty. And you know, it's 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 not easy. Yeah, a practical tip there, Adam Adam Grant, who doesn't need my endorsement for his books, but he's I mean, he wrote Think Again recently, and one of the tips that's in, it's all about how do you kind of think again, and he talks about this separating the ideas from the identity. I mean, again, it's Mm. easier said than done to do that. But if you can, if you've got an idea that isn't, if you don't think of your ideas as like you, then it's easier to, to question them. Um, So, yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Separating the two, strangely difficult, strangely difficult sometimes. Yes. Well, let's see. Is is there any any final final tips or tricks uh, that you might have for for people? Maybe maybe some some ways in which you've subtracted from your own life and in ways that it's you've found that useful day to day or or even you know month to month. Yeah, the and this you know again ties directly to the research. One of the things that we did in the research was give people reminders and said, hey, you can add or subtract here. And what that did in the research was increase the rates of subtraction, which you're like, of course, that's going to increase rates. A reminder increases people's doing things, but it didn't increase the rates of addition. So what it showed in the research was that like, hey, we're not even thinking of subtraction. We are the reminder is redundant for adding. So how can we put those reminders into our own lives. And I think another thing that we found in the research was that like a reminder on one problem didn't carry over to another problem. And so can we put these reminders really close to the point of when we're making the decisions? So one thing that works for me for my to-do list, which I try to do weekly, is I've added a stop doing list to that. I've added a stop doing list. But so in addition to thinking about like here... Here are the new things that I'm going to do this week, but also thinking about, okay, what are the things that are already on my schedule, already there that I'm going to stop doing? Um, Because if you're proposing to add new stuff, how are you going to make room for that? This is how we get so overwhelmed, right? As we just keep adding and adding and adding to our time. And so the stop doing forces you to think about, okay, Hey, this meeting that I've been going to every week for a year, it's, you know, been marginally beneficial, but not as beneficial as the stuff that I, I really want to do. So I'm going to stop doing that. Or mm-hmm. so that's, that's how the stop doing list works. And, and what it does is just cues you to think of this as you're thinking about managing your time, not to overlook subtraction. And so you can imagine I mean, that's probably my most practical tip is after listening to this podcast, take a a moment and think about the ways that you would want to use subtraction in your life, the important kind of decision points. And so, and then think about how you could remind yourself to consider subtraction. I'm not saying you have to choose it, but just consider subtraction in those moments. So the, the stop doing list and the what I said about the, what I do with my ideas, it's like, okay, here's the 20 minutes a week where I'm going to consciously question the ideas. That's another form of a cue or a reminder. 
Yeah. I don't know. Is that helpful? Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. I, another thing I'll, I'll throw in that I just thought of, I in college, there was a writing teacher. I, I never took a class with her, but she gave me basically this this one little tip that she, she said improved her students' writing more than anything else that she, that she taught them. And it was, she got it from like the bottom of like, I don't know, it's like, like a, a little a terrible joke from the bottom of like a Snapple cap or something. And it's, it's <laughs> like, how, how do you make Michelangelo's David from a block of granite? You take away everything that doesn't look like David. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, and it's like, it's, 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 it's not really funny. It's kind of, ha ha. Okay. But you know, if you apply that to your writing and, and I, and I did, and mm-hmm. I have, it, it completely changes the mentality because suddenly, okay. In your mind's eye, what, what the, the thing you're trying to create is, and it's, it's about taking away the, the great act of creation is excision. I think a nice Nin once said, and, and it's, it's once I started doing that and once I, had a positive association. Like it actually started feeling good to take stuff out of my writing. Then, then it just became easy. And and I started actually, I think you mentioned somewhere too, that there's, there's almost like a a cascading effect where I started to actually, I I tried to take stuff out of my, my, my life in other ways too, where, where now, like I I have a, a notepad, I write stuff down that are scrap ideas. And then, and then I, I I so enjoy just crumpling it up and and throwing it away because whatever, whatever is is really going to stick, it either sticks in my head or I rewrite it into like my long-term notebook. And then the rest, the rest of the, those notes, I just, I just discard because I don't want them cluttering my mind. I don't want them cluttering my desk. And uh, it ends up being, ends up feeling really good. Yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. Uh, I mean, Strunk and White's famous advice, right. Is to emit needless words. And yeah, I, I, I feel the same way when you get, I love it when I've got that, the, uh, the first draft done. Right. And then you can start cutting and it's, I don't know, it's, it's fun. And so, yeah, that's a, that's a really amazing tip applied to writing, but you could imagine it applied to all kinds of creative pursuits. Do you like yeah. editing podcasts? <laughs> <laughs> funny, funny enough, not, not as much, not as much. Yeah. But that but, seems like, well, that's somebody else's words, right? It's like you, yeah, they're the person who put this thing down and now you have to go through and listen to it and get rid of it. I, I, I try and keep, keep my podcast mostly intact. I do, I do very pretty, pretty light edits on them. Yeah. Well, Lady, thank you so much for joining me. And I'll put a, a link in uh, the description for, for people who want to buy the book. What is the title of the book again? So people can look it up. Subtract the untapped science of less. And it's wherever books are sold. You can get it at bookshop.org if you want to support independent booksellers. And there's a Kindle version and a audiobook version. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lady. And I hope that your week is empty of things that you do not need to do. Yeah, I'm going to be like a disciplined monk this weekend. Thanks, Daniel. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Reenchantment. If you'd like to buy Professor Klotz's book, you can find it online by searching for Subtract, the Untapped Science of Less. And if you like this episode, please share it online or with a friend. It really helps the show to grow. If you enjoy the show and want to catch Reenchantment live, I'm doing a series of talks on Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern that I'm recording and releasing as podcast episodes in the future. So if you want to catch me 
speaking live on something related to secular meaning making and the future of spirituality, then go to my website, daniellevshkolnik.com, and go to the podcast tab. You'll find info about how to get on the next live Zoom call, as well as episodes from the show. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'll see you next time on Reenchantment.